Chapter Five of More New Arabian Nights: The Dynamiter by Robert Louis Stevenson and Fanny Vondegrift Stevenson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Don W. Jenkins. Chapter Five: Somerset's Adventure, The Superfluous Mansion. Mr. Paul Somerset was a young gentleman of a lively and fiery imagination, with very small capacity for action. He was one who lived exclusively in dreams and in the future, the creature of his own theories and an actor in his own romances. From the cigar divan he proceeded to parade the streets, still heated with the fire of his eloquence, and scouting upon every side for the offer of some fortunate adventure in the continual stream of passers-by on the sealed fronts of houses on the posters that covered the hoardings and in every lineament and throb of the great city he saw a mysterious and hopeful hieroglyph but although the elements of adventure were streaming by him as thick as drops of water in the thames it was in vain that now with a beseeching now with something of a braggadocio air he courted and provoked the notice of the passengers in vain that putting fortune to the touch he even thrust himself into the way and came into direct collision with those of the more promising demeanour persons brimful of secrets persons pining for affection persons perishing for lack of help or counsel he was sure he could perceive on every side but by some contrariety of fortune each passed upon his way without remarking the young gentleman and went farther surely to fare worse in quest of the confidant the friend or the adviser to thousands he must have turned an appealing countenance and yet not one regarded him a light dinner eaten to the accompaniment of his impetuous aspirations broke in upon the series of his attempts on fortune and when he returned to the task the lamps were already lighted and the nocturnal crowd was dense upon the pavement before a certain restaurant whose name will readily occur to any student of our babylon people were already packed so closely that passage had grown difficult and somerset standing in the kennel watched with a hope that was beginning to grow somewhat weary the faces and the manners of the crowd suddenly he was startled by a gentle touch upon the shoulder and facing about he was aware of a very plain and elegant brougham drawn by a pair of powerful horses and driven by a man in sober livery there were no arms upon the panel the window was open but the interior was obscure the driver yawned behind his palm and the young man was already beginning to suppose himself the dupe of his own fancy when a hand no larger than a child's and smoothly gloved in white appeared in a corner of the window and privily beckoned him to approach he did so and looked in the carriage was occupied by a single small and very dainty figure swathed head and shoulders in impenetrable folds of white lace and a voice speaking low and silvery addressed him in these words open the door and get in it must be thought the young man with an almost unbearable thrill it must be that duchess at last yet although the moment was one to which he had long looked forward it was with a certain share of alarm that he opened the door and mounting into the brougham took his seat beside the lady of the lace whether or no she had touched a spring or given some other signal the young man had hardly closed the door before the carriage with considerable swiftness and with a very luxurious and easy movement on its springs turned and began to drive towards the west 
somerset as i have written was not unprepared it had long been his particular pleasure to rehearse his conduct in the most unlikely situations and this among others of the patrician ravisher was one he had familiarly studied strange as it may seem however he could find no apposite remark and as the lady on her side vouchsafed no further sign they continued to drive in silence through the streets except for alternate flashes from the passing lamps the carriage was plunged in obscurity and beyond the fact that the fittings were luxurious and that the lady was singularly small and slender in person and all but one gloved hand still swathed in her costly veil the young man could decipher no detail of an inspiring nature the suspense began to grow unbearable twice he cleared his throat and twice the whole resources of the language failed him in similar scenes when he had forecast them in the theatre of fancy his presence of mind had always been complete his eloquence remarkable and at this disparity between the rehearsal and the performance he began to be seized with a panic of apprehension here on the very threshold of adventure suppose him ignominiously to fail suppose that after ten twenty or sixty seconds of still uninterrupted silence the lady should touch the check-string and redeposit him weighed and found wanting on the common street thousands of persons of no mind at all he reasoned would be found more equal to the part could that very instant by some decisive step prove the lady's choice to have been well inspired and put a stop to this intolerable silence his eye at this point lighted on the hand it was better to fall by desperate counsels than to continue as he was and with one tremulous swoop he pounced on the gloved fingers and drew them to himself one overt step it had appeared to him would dissolve the spell of his embarrassment in act he found it otherwise he found himself no less incapable of speech or further progress and with the lady's hand in his sat helpless but worse was in store a peculiar quivering began to agitate the form of his companion the hand that lay unresistingly in somersets trembled as with ague and presently there broke forth in the shadow of the carriage the bubbling and musical sound of laughter resisted but triumphant the young man dropped his prize had it been possible he would have bounded from the carriage the lady meanwhile lying back upon the cushions passed on from trill to trill of the most heartfelt high-pitched clear and fairy-sounding merriment you must not be offended she said at last catching an opportunity between two paroxysms if you have been mistaken in the warmth of your attentions the fault is solely mine it does not flow from your presumption but from my eccentric manner of recruiting friends and believe me i am the last person in the world to think the worse of a young man for showing spirit as for to-night it is my intention to entertain you to a little supper and if i shall continue to be as much pleased with your manners as i was taken with your face i may perhaps end by making you an advantageous offer somerset sought in vain to find some form of answer but his discomfiture had been too recent and complete come returned the lady we must have no display of temper that is for me the one disqualifying fault and as i perceive we are drawing near our destination i shall ask you to descend and offer me your arm indeed at that very moment the carriage drew up before a stately and severe mansion in a spacious square and somerset who was possessed of an excellent temper with the best grace in the world 
assisted the lady to alight the door was opened by an old woman of a grim appearance who ushered the pair into a dining-room somewhat dimly lighted but already laid for supper and occupied by a prodigious company of large and valuable cats here as soon as they were alone the lady divested herself of the lace in which she was enfolded and somerset was relieved to find that although still bearing the traces of great beauty and still distinguished by the fire and colour of her eye her hair was of a silvery whiteness and her face lined with years and now mon Preux, said the old lady nodding at him with a quaint gaiety you perceive that i am no longer in my first youth you will soon find that i am all the better company for that as she spoke the maid re-entered the apartment with a light but tasteful supper they sat down accordingly to table the cats with savage pantomime surrounded the old lady's chair and what with the excellence of the meal and the gaiety of his entertainer somerset was soon completely at his ease when they had well eaten and drunk the old lady leaned back in her chair and taking a cat upon her lap subjected her guest to a prolonged but evidently mirthful scrutiny i fear madam said somerset that my manners have not risen to the height of your preconceived opinion my dear young man she replied you were never more mistaken in your life i find you charming and you may very well have lighted on a fairy godmother i am not one of those who are given to change their opinions and short of substantial demerit those who have once gained my favour continue to enjoy it but i have a singular swiftness of decision read my fellow-men and women with a glance and have acted throughout life on first impressions yours as i tell you has been favourable and if as i suppose you are a young fellow of somewhat idle habits i think it not improbable that we may strike a bargain ah oh, madam returned somerset you have divined my situation i am a man of birth parts and breeding excellent company or at least so i find myself but by a peculiar inequity of fate destitute alike of trade or money i was indeed this evening upon the quest of an adventure resolved to close with any offer of interest emolument or pleasure and your summons which i profess i am still at some loss to understand jumped naturally with the inclination of my mind call it if you will impudence i am here at least prepared for any proposition you can find it in your heart to make and resolutely determined to accept you express yourself very well replied the old lady and are certainly a droll and curious young man i shall not care to affirm that you were sane for i have never found any one entirely so besides myself and at least the nature of your madness entertains me and i will reward you with some description of my character and life thereupon the old lady still fondling the cat upon her lap proceeded to narrate the following particulars end of chapter five read by don w jenkins rancho san diego california shaggybark.blogspot.com